0: Craig Groeschel, he's a preacher and author, he wrote a book a a few years ago and he named it Weird, just this title, Weird, because normal isn't working. He said normal in our society is not working and I want to start off this series of message today just to share with you a few of his thoughts to get us thinking about the culture that we live in today, to lay a foundation Uh, of this message series and where we're going. Listen to what he said about a few different areas of life. Here's what he wrote about God. He said, when it comes to God, it's normal to either reject God altogether or believe in Him while we're living as if He doesn't exist. In churches, normal is lukewarm Christianity, self-centered spiritual consumerism, and shallow, me-driven faith. God has become a means to an end, a tool in our toolbox to accomplish what we want. The majority of people claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. All this is normal, but normal isn't working. Here's what he had to say about finances. He said, when it comes to finances, and we're going to talk about finances in the series, but the series is so much more than just about money. He said, when it comes to finances, it's normal going into debt so deep that you can't see the way out. Money becomes a dark pit of worry, fear, anxiety, tension, and fighting. Most people I know are living paycheck to paycheck. Most make more money today than they ever have, but it's never enough. Now more than ever, it's expensive to be normal. So much cool stuff to buy and take care of. So many normal experiences you want your family to have. Only it's hard to enjoy any of it when the financial news tightens with each monthly payment. Probably some of us in this room go, I understand that normal thing he's writing about because I'm experiencing that. Here's what he said about relationships. Normal relationships require little and provide less. You and your spouse are so busy, so stressed, and so exhausted, there's normally no time for each other. No wonder, then, that affairs are the norm. They provide the attention, romance, and sex without the commitment, sacrifice, or intimacy required in a marriage. That's why we offer grace marriage because we want to make sure that we are keeping Christ at the center of marriage. We want to learn how do we walk in that grace-filled marriage. Similarly, you'd love to spend more time with your kids, but there's just not enough time. They're almost as busy and stressed out as you are. It would be great to have deep, meaningful conversations and shared experiences that allow you to teach them what you know. Normal families, however, just don't work that way. And then there's a great chapter in his book, and he starts talking about, our sexual society that we're in. And he said, and nothing's more normal than sex, right? Premarital sex, extramarital sex, friends with benefits type sex, porn experimentation, casual hookups, whatever feels good between consenting adults, it's totally normal. Maybe our parents were uptight and repressed about sex, but we're more progressive, more liberated nowadays. In the 21st century, why in the world would anyone remain a virgin until marriage? That's not normal. That's weird. And I think Craig hits the nail right on the head with some of these things that are going on in our culture. Our culture has taken what once was abnormal. And has made it normal. It has duped us, has tricked us, and we just kind of buy the lie that Satan keeps putting before us because it's been put away, put in front of us for so long. And if you speak a lie long enough, eventually we start to believe it. And that's become the norm. Have you stopped to think lately about some normal things in our society today? Common sense is no longer normal. In fact, it's considered weird and out of step with. Our times or political correctness is normal. Politicians call themselves public servants but use the public to serve themselves and get rich in a process. And that's normal in our society today. Gender neutral bathrooms are considered normal and opposing them, you're considered weird and that you are wrong. If you question it in any form or fashion, then you are considered a person of hate speech and you are silenced. You say, come on, does that really happen? Yes, Franklin Graham was blocked for 24 hours on Facebook over a post in 2016 where he stood up for the safety and the privacy of women and children, supporting a bill in his home state of North Carolina that required people to use the restroom that matched their birth certificate. And Bruce Springsteen canceled a North Carolina concert over the bill, and he said the North Carolina law, HB2, to prevent men from being able to use women's restrooms and locker rooms was going backwards instead of forwards. That's becoming the norm. On January 1st of 2019, New York City Mayor's Office released this statement to all trans and non-binary New Yorkers, we see you, we hear you, We respect you. Starting in 2019, all New Yorkers will be able to change their gender on their birth certificate to M, F, or X without a doctor's note. That's becoming the new normal in America. Same-sex restrooms and any kind of sexual deviation you desire is normal. Having moral values or standards of any kind is considered weird. And nothing is off limits except what the Bible says, and no one is interested in what the Bible says anymore. And even some evangelicals and even believers go, well, yeah, the Bible speaks, but... And we always put that word, but, in there. Well, the Bible says, however, but the Bible shares this. And we say, I'm not sure that I can adhere to that. Disrespect of any kind of authority has become the normal disrespect our parents, disrespect our police officers, disrespect our teachers, disrespect other adults. It doesn't matter because no one's going to tell me what to do. That's the mainstream manta of our new normal society. Socialism. Even though it's destroyed, every country that it has ever touched is now touted as the greatest thing that we could ever have in America. And that's normal, that the politicians will promise free medical care and free college education. It'll be free for everyone. And when you stand up and say, well, how are we going to pay for that? You're considered weird, even though we have a $23 trillion debt. Here's where it gets really scary in our society. It's normal for people who claim to be Christ's followers, believers in Jesus Christ, to give less than 2% of their income to their church and ministry, while considering it unthinkable to give a waitress less than a 20% tip. It's normal not to serve anywhere in the church, even though Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. It's normal for people to come to worship only once a month now in our American society and then only for one hour and when they do be considered or want to be considered disciples of Jesus. That's become the norm. You think about screen time for a moment. Here's what's become normal. Now as you do research on this, you'll see stuff all over the place on numbers, but this is a lot of consistency that on Facebook, on average, we spend 35 minutes a day. We spend... 40 minutes a day on YouTube, 100 minutes a day on Netflix, on our phone 300 minutes, on the TV 304 minutes. That's an average of 12 hours a day on devices. You ever use screen time on your phone? You ever stop and look at your screen time and go, Well, how much time I've been using? How many hours I've been averaging? You ever say, You know what? I need to lower that. Wow, I've had a lot of time just being on my phone. That's half a year being on devices. Some stats say we're on social media two and a half hours a day, just social media. And what I show you here, that doesn't even include Instagram or, or TikTok or many of the other social sites, but we have the screen right in front of us. Two and a half hours a day is 38, 38 days a year just looking at social media. 38 days scrolling. That's a cute picture. Oh, that's a neat video. Oh, he's an idiot, huh? What, what, they put that picture on there? You know it. We're all, I'm I'm guilty. I'm guilty. We, We can't go anywhere without that thing attached to us somehow, some way. And then what we say is, I don't have time to read the Bible. Have you ever made that statement? Don't, don't confess right now. I guarantee you, we probably all of in this room have made that statement. If I could have a dollar for every time I've met with somebody, we say, preacher, can we talk? We, I, I got some issues going on in life. I need some help. I need to grow in Jesus. I'm struggling, however they want to say that. If I could have a dollar for every time I look at someone and say, well, here's, here's the challenge, is you need to have a steady diet of God's Word. You need to be in His Word. You need to be studying Scripture, reading Scripture, and they reply with, I, I don't really have time for that. If I could have a dollar, I'd be a millionaire many times over. And you stop and think about your own life and go, man, I, I want to read the Bible. I, I kind of want to, but I don't have time. Here's a study from Transformational Discipleship about our Bible engagement. According to Transformational Discipleship, it shows that 19% of churchgoers personally, not part of church worship service, read the Bible on their own every day. 19% pretty low. 18% said, well, I rarely or I never read it. 25% said, well, I read it kind of a few times a week, so I pick it up, maybe read it here. For some, it's social media. Oh, there's a cool verse that likes like that one and give it a heart because it's really neat. Okay, now we're rolling on, right? Oh, I got, I got the Bible in today. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm picking on myself too, but we're, we're guilty. 14% say they read the Bible once a week. 22% say once a month or a few times a month. You You, you know, Church, normal isn't working. We we are broke. Spiritually, morally, financially, emotionally, relationally, yet people tell us it's okay and broke is normal. And the reason why we're broke is because look at our Bible engagement. Just do a personal survey yourself right now. And think back over the last week... How much time did you just sit and open the Word of God? Just to read it, let it wash over your mind? Did you spend any time studying it? How much time did you watch basketball and bowl games and been on social media and doing all the other stuff this world offers? I would venture to say the scales are way this way on all the stuff the world offers compared to what the Bible has to offer. And because of that, we live in a society that is bankrupt. It might be normal. But must I, I, I need to suggest to you, it's not okay. It's not okay. And that's the focus of the series. The idea of the series comes from, from myself and a few other preachers that, I've, that I associate with. We're in agreement that the church must not look like the world. The church must not be normal. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples, and he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am of it. So he says this, I'm praying, Lord, for my disciples. They're in this world, and we're those disciples. We are in this world and he not they take them out. He says, to protect them from it. In other words, Jesus says, I was in this world, but I'm not of the world. My disciples are in this world, but they're not to be of this world. And we are in this world, but we're not to be of this world. In other words, we shouldn't be looking like this world. People should look at us and say, there's something different there. We're not to be normal. We should be weird. Here's my challenge to us, church. Broke is normal, but don't be normal. Let's be weird in 2020. Be okay with being weird. Be okay with being criticized or ostracized or marginalized. Someone says, Man, you need the church. You're awful weak. Yeah, I'm weak. I need the church. You're a Jesus freak. You're kind of crazy about this Jesus church thing. Yeah, I really am. You're going to another Bible study? Yeah, I'm going to another Bible study. Why do you do that stuff? I need it. Wait, we're going out for some drinks and partying on Friday. And I think I'll, re- I'll refrain. I think I'll stay back from that. Why? Well, because of my walk with Jesus. I choose not to. Wait, that's crazy. That's weird. Don't. No? That's where God's called me to be. Or I'm going to go and you're not drinking and I'm having a water and a Coke. Why are you drinking? Well, I chose not to because of my walk with Jesus. See, that's weird. But that's okay. And if you're going to follow Jesus and be sold out living for Jesus, you'll be anything but normal. You're going to be weird. You can't follow Jesus and not be weird. After first service, one of the moms came and said, I'm so glad my young daughter was in there and heard this, because I've been saying this at home constantly, that we in our culture today, we can't be like everybody else. And we have these conversations with our children, and we say to our children, yeah, just because your friends are doing it. You know, my mom used to say, just because your friends are doing it, if they went out and played in the middle of Telegraph, would you go play in the middle of Telegraph? Telegraph is four-lane road. They're going 60 miles an hour. No, I'm not going to do that. Well, you can't do everything your friends want to do. Well, that's kind of the message here. But we as adults need to hear the same thing because Jesus says, listen, there's a way to live that is right, and there's a way to live that is wrong, and the way that is right is now weird in our society. It's not normal. Groeschel goes on and he writes and says, Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Normal says to hate your enemies. Jesus says to love them. Normal seeks revenge on those who hurt you. Jesus shows you how to be kind to those who who harm you. If someone hits you, the normal swings back. Jesus teaches you to turn the other cheek. Let's be honest. This is not only counterintuitive to everything we've learned in the playground in elementary school. It's just downright weird. And these are not the most challenging of unusual teachings. Jesus also told us to pray for those who persecute us. That's weird. And if we want to find our lives, we have to lose them. That's even weirder. And if we don't hate our parents, we really aren't committed to Him. That's the weirdest. Church, look what Jesus said. In the greatest sermon ever preached, he said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Grossel says in the book, The majority of people, the crowd is traveling the wrong path, the one that leads to destruction. They're the normal ones, intent on looking like the rest, spending money like the rest, living like the rest, keeping up with the rest, but the road that leads to a dead end. Only a few people, the weird ones, unafraid to exit the normal highway, find the right road. Not many, but a small and brave group of travelers willing to separate from the crowd and embark on a different kind of journey down a less obvious path. I want to challenge us today, church, and through this series, not to be normal anymore. To get on the narrow path and be okay when we see all the crowd going down this way and we say, wait a minute, we're going this direction. Not many are going with me, but to be okay with being on the narrow path where not many walk. I want to challenge you to follow Jesus like you've never followed him before and be okay with being weird. So how can we do that? Let me give you a few suggestions today. First of all, our hearts have to be in the right place. The most important thing about you, according to God, is not your wallet or what's in your bank account, but what's in your heart. What's going on inside your heart? You ever hear someone say, well, his or her heart just wasn't in it? You ever heard that statement? Sure, we've all heard that before. Well, his or her heart wasn't in that sport, sporting event, or their heart wasn't in that job. And that describes, I think, a lot of Christians today. Their heart's not in the right place. Their heart is in some other place. Normal says, follow your heart. And I've heard people say that and use that terminology. Well, just just follow your heart. Well, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, you and I have a hard time even understanding our own heart. And why we do things we do sometimes. Jesus was asked one time, what's the most important thing that that we can do? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, and this is going to sound weird, God wants you to give him your absolute best. He he wants you to give him your all and not stop, no matter what's going on. He wants to be first place in all we do. I, I want you to notice something else that Jesus said about your heart. Matthew 6 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There where your treasure is. I mean, in other words, Jesus says, I can always tell you where your heart is by where your money goes. Jesus said that. He said, I can measure your faith. I can measure your trust. I can know. Isn't it interesting that that dashboard of the heart is by looking at the pocketbook? And you can do that. Right now today, you can pull up your bank account. You can look at it on your device. You can sit down this afternoon with your spouse. You can sit down and say, where have we been spending money? Where have we been investing money? And you can look at how much of it aligns with things that align with God's heart. And you can go, man, you know what? We are hitting it out of the ballpark with Him. Or you know what? We are missing the mark. That's what we all can do. It's not your worship. It's interesting. There's nowhere in Scripture you say, man, I, I, Jesus said, I want to look at your worship. I want to see how well you worship. You know, some of the phoniest followers are the most fervent in their worship. They look like they're just dynamic worshipers, but when it comes down to what's really going on with them in Jesus, there's a lot missing. He doesn't see your Bible study. He doesn't say, man, I'm looking for people who are in, in the deep Bible study. I want to see all the people in the Bible study. And, you know, there's some people who are nothing more than professional students who never put into practice even the simplest spiritual disciplines when Scripture calls us to be doers of the word. See, but that's the stuff we look at. We look at and say, oh, she's involved or he's involved in so many different Bible studies. They're so wise about the Scripture. Or have you ever seen him in worship? Wow, he really gets into it. And Jesus says, no, I know your heart by what you're doing with your pocketbook. That's the measuring stick. We'll come back to that later. But just know, if we're going to be weird, our heart has to be in the right place. But also, if we're going to be weird, we're going to have to walk by faith. We've got to walk by faith. This isn't going to be easy. It's not easy to, to get away from the normal uh, pushings of our society and say, I'm going to live this weird life for Jesus. It's not easy. It's going to take walking by faith. Hebrews 11 says, And without faith, it is impossible. I want you to notice that word. Without faith, it is impossible. He isn't saying without faith, you'll be able to accomplish some things, you'll do a few things. It's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So if we are going to be weird and be sold out in a weird type way for Jesus, then we have to walk in faith. What we're going to talk about in the next few few weeks, it requires a great exercise of your faith. And when we walk out of church every week, the whole world, the whole world and even your own habits and your own desires try to pull you back to normal. When you walk out of here today, this afternoon, there's going to be all kinds of temptations pulling you back to live a normal life. When you go to work tomorrow, all kinds of things. And don't you know, go back to normal way of life. No, don't live for Jesus. And you could be sitting here today and you're thinking, I want to do this. I want to walk for Jesus. I want to be weird for Jesus. I want to be sold out for Jesus. I want him to be first. I want my heart to align with him. I want to I do what the preachers talk talking about. And as soon as you walk out of these doors that temptation to walk back into the normal ways of life comes right in. And you remember, normal is broke. And God wants so much more for his children. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, how can a widow have all that she needs and be okay living on a, li- on a very limited income, and a superstar athlete be broke five years after retirement when they made millions? How does that happen? I think the difference is between do I trust in God or do I trust in money? The widow has learned, I'm going to trust in God. Many times that superstar athlete that is broke within five years is trusting in money. It- it's not what's in your wallet, it's what's in your heart. Years ago, when normal was so much normal in our society, so to speak, when there was a different normal in our country, our leaders chose wisely to put this on our money. In God we trust. You pull out a $20 bill today, you pull out a $1 bill, you pull out a $100 bill, you know what? That's still printed there. Now there's been discussions, maybe we'll remove that, maybe we'll take that off doesn't matter what our government does with our paper money. They can remove that. It's our decision, are we going to trust God with our money and how we live lives? They didn't want money to become the thing that we trust in was the reason why they put that on there. They didn't, want that to be the cause, they didn't want that to be the cause of issues. And so they wanted to remember, even though you have this money in hand, don't put your trust in money. Keep your trust in God. That's our early founders of America. They said, we want to keep our trust in God. See, more money is not the answer to our financial issues. More of God is the answer. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, stop and look at your own life. Is your money tight? Are things difficult? Are you stressed out in the money areas? Was it that way three years ago and five years ago and ten years ago in your life? And you look and go, yeah, we continue. But has your paycheck grown? Most of us would say, yeah, I'm probably making more now than I did a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. If it's continued stress, that's because I'm putting my faith in money versus I'm putting my faith in God. If you think more money is the answer, you're wrong. The answer is learning how to serve God and making Him first place. See, to live a weird life, have got to get the heart in the right place. We've got to commit committed to be walking in faith. And there's one more. We've got to put God first. And not with just lip service. Like, really sell out. I'm just going to crack the door open on this one a little bit because we're going to dive in deeper next week. God doesn't want to be second place in our life. It's not the position that He takes. He only wants and will only accept one place, and that's first place. We will say, well, how how do you know he only accepts that? Well, the first of the Ten Commandments says, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, he's saying there should be nothing, and when something becomes before God, well, i got to do this, i got to do that, this is more important, this is more important. You're saying all those things have just become God, and God, now you're no longer first. You're pushed down the list. And some will say, well, Brian, that's Old Testament. Okay, well, let's look at the New Testament says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek who? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek His way. Seek His path. You know why broke is normal? Is because so many people put other things before God. Even themselves before God. Broke is normal, but that's not God's plan. It's not God's plan for us, church. Proverbs 3 says... Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then, you get that. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. He says, "When you put me first, then that's when blessing comes." It's not when I'm second and third and fourth down the list, I'm praying, Lord, bless me, but God's your way down here to the list. No, when I'm first, then blessing will come. Here's what we need to learn God needs to be the first part of every day. Start your day with God. Don't start it with your cell phone. Don't start it with social media. Don't start your day with your spouse. Don't start your day with your kids. Start your day with God. Give God the first part of every day. Give God the first word in every decision. That means, Lord, help me. i got a decision to make. Lord, what do you want? God, where are you leading? God, what direction do you have for me? Give God the first day of every week. Make what we do here, gathering together of greatness of importance. Don't live like so many American Christians where they say, oh, yeah, I end up in worship once or twice a month. Yeah, that's good enough. I'm great. Don't make it a high priority. You, say, you know what? I'm gonna start my week every day, every week out with God. Give God the first portion, the first fruits of your income every week. God, before I go and spend and make a payment on this and pay this and go have fun here and go do this, God, you're gonna get what you asked for first and give God first place in your heart. Lord, I want my heart to align with you. I don't want to be normal any longer. Lord, I don't want to chase the normal path of society. Lord, help me to be weird. We need to do what God says. We need to follow God's plan. We need to love God's son, Jesus, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We need to put him first. And then church, watch what will happen in 2020. You take this challenge seriously and you say, I'm gonna commit to this idea of making my life weird because I wanna make God first. You watch what God does in your life in 2020. Bow your heads with me. Father, God.